This is Thurman Hayes, pastor of First Baptist Church of Suffolk, Virginia. We want to welcome you to this message from our services at First Baptist. We're a congregation that is seeking to touch lives through the life-changing power of the gospel. I pray that you'll encounter Christ in his power and love even now as you listen. Thanks, brother. Oh, you don't please. Thank you so much. You just make my day. Uh, you need to give me that leash so I can hook it on both of these. I understand that's to keep me from falling off the stage. Okay, I just want to be sure I'm using that correctly. It's my privilege to be here with you today. I had the opportunity a couple weeks ago to sit down with uh, our pastor, and I just love him. I want you to know that. I love him very much. I, love, I told him straight up, I appreciate that you don't beat people up. You just give them the opportunity to make choices in Jesus' name. And that's, that's a rare thing you find in pastors these, day, these days. And I've also loved the way he preaches because he knows how to do expository preaching. I'm not quite as good. I will tell you, I do like to make the Bible practical. And I can tell you, I spent my entire life doing just that in some very interesting places, you know, places that you wouldn't necessarily want to go. I've been in some really neat places. You think Fort Drum is cold? I lived in Alaska three years. I can tell you, I've seen it as cold, ambient temperature 64 below zero. Yes. Yes. Thank you. And the wind chill at 64 below zero, somewhere around 75 below. That's when you walk out and you say to yourself, how am I going to preach about hell today? <laughs> you with me? I've also been in the sands of places that I didn't want to spend any time at any more than I had to. And I've seen it as hot as 137 degrees. So I really do qualify as a weatherman. I just want you to understand that. And I'm thankful to God. I tell you, there's something that I have learned in life that is something we have to get a hold of every day. And I'm still learning it every day. And that is this. When it comes to the challenges of life, it is choice, not chance, that determines my level of resiliency. I want you to keep that in mind because you're going to find out that there are certain passages of scriptures that when it comes to challenges of life, they just jump out at you. And you look at them and you say, God, why'd you put that there? Sort of like when you're on a diet and you're looking in the refrigerator and the scripture comes to you, man shall not live by bread alone. And you say, come on, God, why? Listen to these words. I'm just going to share them with you. It comes out of 1 Thessalonians 5, verses 16 through 18. Rejoice evermore. Pray continually. If you're King James, it's without ceasing. And here's a clincher. In everything... Look at there, you know it. In everything, give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. How you doing with that? Come on. 
Go with me here. Now, I finished up my career 30 years as an officer, three years as an enlisted, enjoyed myself from one end of this world to the other. Had some really challenging moments and some that weren't so challenging, but they were all out there for a reason because God never allows anything to come to us without trying to develop us in the process. And I can just tell you that some of those challenges in life will get to you if you are not careful. I learned this as I spent my last part of the career driving back and forth the James River Bridge <laughs> from Franklin, Virginia. I would drive 130 miles round trip just to get to work and back. And it didn't include the trips from Fort Eustis to Langley Air Force Base and Fort Eustis to Langley Air Force. Sometimes I had to go twice, three times because I was also covering as a senior chaplain Langley Air Force Base. I learned more about the Air Force in the last three years of my career than I ever wanted to know. And I found out that their motto, aim high, has something to do with weapons and marijuana, but I'm not going to go any further from there. I digress. And then they look at me and say, well, what does Army Strong mean? And I'm going, I hate it when that happens. Truth of the matter remains, I was driving across that bridge every day and decided to do some research. I was going to begin to name the types of drivers in Virginia. And I'm going to tell you, I have settled on four types. They all begin with W. Which kind of fits with what? Like that, because that's sometimes what you're asking. The first type of driver are those wonderful drivers like myself. That utilize grace and mercy. Meaning I use the five miles an hour grace that the police officers give you over the speed limit. You with me? Except in the small towns in the state. And if I do get stopped, I plead mercy. So, I mean, any way you look at it, it's a spiritual moment. I ask that you don't ask my wife about my wonderful driving. She may have a different opinion. The second type of driver is the wandering wanderers. Now, a wandering wanderer is an interesting person because they're driving quite well, but they get distracted, not by their phones, but by looking over here, they're wondering what's happening over there. And as they look, they begin to wander over into your lane. And that's when you begin to talk to them about what half are they going to take it out of. You with me? Uh, where'd you get your license? Sears and Rope. Oh, they're, they're not existing anymore. I'm sorry. <laughs> then you have the third type of driver. And that's the, what's this for driver? Nothing is more funny than riding across the James River Bridge at about 5.15 in the morning and seeing somebody on the bridge with their right turn signal on. You're looking at them realizing, they're a what's this for person. Because, you know, you, you say, if you just reach up and touch that lever on the side of the column, pull it down halfway, it'll turn that light off. And this thing won't be flashing in my eyes as I'm riding across the James River Bridge in fog in the morning. You know what it is. The what's this for people you worry about? Because you know, if they do take a ride, somebody's going to be baptized real quick and you really feel bad for them. And then you have the fourth type. 
This is the type that all of you know. This is the reckless driver. The reckless driver is the one who decides they're going to steal the road from you. Now I'm gonna tell you straight up, I'm driving across the James River Bridge in a blue Mustang GT 5.0 with 420 horsepower, stock. Now a lot of you ladies don't care about that, but the guys know what I'm talking about. They know that that car, when it needs to, will get up and go. We sing that song, get up and go, you know, like that. And I like it because of that. But when you're on the James River Bridge and there's not a whole lot of place to go in the morning when all that traffic is out there, and then somebody chooses to steal the road from you, you have a moment. This guy comes flying up out of nowhere. I never saw him in my mirror. And I mean, he flew past my right side and there's cars right there. So I'm thinking to myself, oh no, he's not. You ever do that? You know what you, oh no, oh yes he is. And you have to stand on your brake. The back end of that Mustang 5.0, nose down, came up in the back. And then the verse pops in my mind. And everything give thanks. Of course it is a GT, so I guess giving thanks is what that car's for. But I stood up on the nose, and I mean, I was talking about him, his mother. I was talking about where he got his life. I was talking about all kinds of things as it related to his skills and qualifications as a driver. Then my Mustang somehow had the desire to rear up and to show him what 420 horsepowers could do. You with me? And I find myself wanting to jerk down in that gear and get up on his backside and help him understand. You don't steal the road from somebody. If you want it, you should have got it a long time ago. That moment was a <gasps> moment for me. And I'm looking at that guy and all I could think about is how what? Happy I am? Do you think I'm thinking about rejoicing in the Lord at that moment? Come on, go with me. The only prayer I could come up with was, God, take him home to be with you. <laughs> and Thanksgiving was a holiday at that point. It wasn't going to happen with me right then. And yet the scripture just kept playing over my, this is the hard part. By the way, you know the scripture says it's a fearful thing to fall in the hand of the living God. This is one of those moments where he keeps reminding you of the scripture. Rejoice evermore. Pray continually in everything. Yes, Brother Thompson, my child, Daryl, wonderful driver. In this moment, give thanks. Now you would think at that moment that I would be willing to look at God and say, yay, God, I will do that. But it wasn't there. Give thanks. You know what my response was? Anybody? You guys got to help me because I'm one of these guys that like to talk. You know what my response was? 
for what? And my brother brought up what would Jesus do, and I wasn't even thinking about Jesus at that moment, and I didn't care what would Jesus do in that moment. I was, ah! Give thanks. For what? And then I thought to myself, okay, think about it. Because I had to slow down for a minute. And I, said, I said, all right, well, I can give thanks because he helped me hone my break reaction time. I moved quick. Then I thought, there's something else I can give thanks to. It's funny, when you start to think about what to give thanks for, it just comes to mind. It would be easier for me to clean my car when I went to clean it because all those things that chose to settle under the front seat, <laughs> when I slammed on brakes, they all came out into the floorboard and yay, they were there. And it wouldn't be anything to clean it up. Then I realized maybe, because I'm still not wanting to do it at that point, maybe, maybe God is trying to teach me something here. Maybe I don't have to give thanks for the circumstance. Maybe I have to give thanks for the God who walks with me through that circumstance. And this is made true over in Philippians. Paul says again over in Philippians, he expands a little bit about what he's saying here in Thessalonians. He says, rejoice in the Lord always. That's another way of saying rejoice evermore. But rejoice in what? To rejoice in the Lord evermore. How do you do that? I mean, how do you really do that? And he shows us. Pray continually. And in everything give thanks. Now I'm going to tell you, I struggled with that for a little bit. You know why? Because I allowed the evil one his moment. You know what moment I'm talking about. You ever take a brand new baby to the doctor to get him a shot? I'm a very protective dad. I wanted to slap the doctor when he did that. Not because he gave the shot, because I knew it was good for the baby, but because of the way that baby responded. I got my baby in my arm with them big old chubby legs up there just begging for a shot. And I got, I'm just doing the daddy thing. It's okay. Everything's fine. And we're having that moment, you know, speaking in tongues as only you can as a parent and a child because there is no legitimate or uh, clarity in what you're saying. You just know what each other means. Like that. So you know what I'm talking about. So I'm sitting there in the doctor's office and they call us back and I pull my baby up, chubby cheeks and all, and I walk in. And the doc is in there and checks the baby out. Everything's good. And then the nurse comes in, you know, with that little face. Sort of like the dentist when you go in. They got that silver thing that they never want you to see. So she's over there with her back. And she's making all this happen. And then she turns around. <laughs> I'm sorry. She turned around. And she looked at the baby. And she was playing with me. And life was so good. And the nurse comes over with her little alcohol pad. And she goes. And the baby. <laughs> and then she put that shot in it is amazing how they go from <laughs> to um something is not right here you know that moment they put it in <gasps> and then the emotion follows you follow me <laughs> and then they look at you like you are the devil 
I've never had a child look at me and say, Dad, thank you so much for taking me for that. I really needed that, and I know you have my best interest at heart there. Have you? I mean, really, have you? And this is where I argue that every one of us have a child inside. And every time in life that something happens that stings us, that makes us go, we are at a place of choice. And remember, it's choice, not chance, that determines my level of resiliency. We're at that place of choice where we decide whether God is God in our lives, whether he knows what's best for us, whether he really cares. And so we're really battling that. Please let me know if I'm wrong. Am I? Oh, thank you. I feel so more human now. We're at that place. And guess who knows we're there? Who? The evil one. He is so ready, so ready to attack us. He takes aim at us at that point. His goal and his evil way is to make our life miserable. He wants to cause us to sit down and shut up because he knows if we don't, he's going to have some problem because... The will of the Lord is being done because I'm not listening to the evil one at that point. The only way the evil one can get to us is right through this mind. And he looks for those moments to really do it. How does he do it? The moment that we go, I can't believe that happened. Sort of like when the guy stole the road from me. I'm at the... And right there, the evil one is standing with handcuffs waiting to arrest me up against a wall, you spiritual child. And he wants to arrest me in that thought, in that moment, so that he can take charge of me and manipulate and manage my mind. Once he gets me arrested, once I stand still enough to allow him to put those cuffs on, then he moves to the second phase, and that is to incarcerate me. You know how he incarcerates us in moments like that? Are you with me? It's through your emotions. You see, when somebody does something like that, it is amazing how emotions rise up. The question came up in Sunday school, how can we be angry and sin not? We can if we understand that the emotion of anger, if we allow ourselves to be incarcerated in it, becomes the Lord of our life not the Lord of our life, being Christ Jesus. Because the Lord of our life will never, if I'm not mistaken, y'all can correct me if I'm wrong, but will never allow anything to come through to me without first passing through his hands. Scripture tells me that nobody can pluck us out of his hands, right? So if I am in his hands and nobody can pluck me out, then that must mean that whatever comes to me in life has to come to me through those hands. 
Ain't that cool? Yeah, it's cool when you're sitting there talking about it in church. Try it out on the road when somebody steals a lane from you. How do I keep the emotion from happening? How do I keep myself from being incarcerated in the stinkiness of the moment? Can I ask how many of you spend time with skunks? Huh? You even go, if you go to the zoo and see one, you're wanting to read the thing that says, they've been de-skunked. It'll be all right. You can walk by and look at them. You don't want to spend time in the stinkiness, do you? And especially if they spray you, because lo and behold, people will know you were coming from a distance. I know because my dogs got sprayed with them up in New York at West Point. And ain't nothing more funny than cadets who have no filter who will talk to you about how stinky that skunk is and you're being a part of it. I used a lot of tomato stuff and I'm telling you that stuff really doesn't work, although you can make some great Italian food after you uh, use it. Oh, I gotta quit. But the evil one wants to incarcerate us in that emotion so that we get stuck there. And it's hard to get past it. And if he keeps us there, then from there, he can manipulate and manage us for the rest of our lives. I have counseled a lot of people, none as deep as this one person who had been abused as a child, who had gone through some really ugly things. And the only thing that person was living for is the death of the person that did it. I mean, had the guests to look at me and say that. I just want them dead. And they're talking to a chaplain. <laughs> okay. And that statement was made to me. I just want them dead. And then I said, then what? Then what? Because if all that is gone now, what do you do now? See, people who allow Satan to take aim at them soon become an MIA. AIM, MIA, spelled back. I'm sorry, I just love using acronyms. They become missing in action as it relates to spending time doing what God's called us to do. And you know what? I believe that God thinks we're worth more than that. You know why I know that? Because he gave his son Jesus Christ to be my Savior. He gave his life on the cross. He fulfilled the law in that action. And in his resurrection, he spoke freedom to me. In fact, the scripture says, sin shall no longer have dominion over you. Not your own and not someone else's against you. It no longer has dominion in Jesus' name. And I also read somewhere, help me, David. Whom the Son sets free. Come on, say it out loud. Say it with me again. Whom the Son sets free shall be free. So why is it that we get caught up, arrested, incarcerated, and manipulated by the evil one if we have been set free indeed? We do it because 
we have the freedom of choice. It is our greatest blessing and our greatest burden because I get to make the choice. Sometimes I don't want to make the choice. But all the time, I do. Either right or wrong, I do. Not doing anything is making a choice. And the truth of the matter is, our level of resiliency really depends on how we make that choice. I'm reminded of this kid. i got to be honest with you. I was sitting at a park. And there's nothing like an old guy sitting in the park watching little kids. You begin to wonder about them, number one. Then you think, maybe I should call the police because there's an old guy sitting here. <laughs> but I enjoy watching kids because they're precious. There's a certain innocence. There's a certain faith. There's a certain thing about them where they're free. You watch them play sometime. I like to watch my grandkids play. Sometimes they play a little harder than they should and with things they shouldn't, and you know how that goes. But I love to watch them. And this one little kid was out there on the monkey bar, just hanging like a big dog. Hey, three years old. And guess what he became aware of while hanging on the monkey bar with the sun shining? Shadow, the shadow, only the shadow knows. That's an old one right there. And so therefore he's hanging on there and he's aware of his shadow now. And it was so neat because they were synchronized. He would kick his feet and the shadow would kick his too. He would raise his legs and the shadow would raise the leg. He would wiggle himself and the shadow would wiggle. And life was good as long as the shadow was there. It was funny because Newton's law of gravity is true. And so that kid is hanging there and the law of gravity began to get him. And his little fingers became weak. And I have to tell you, he's about three feet up, hanging on. And then he let go. Guess what the shadow did? It attached to the bottom of his feet. Devastating. Because that which he was having fun with at the time has now become a part of him. So what does he do? <laughs> and it let go, but it's still attached to this side. <laughs> and it's still attached to this side. Then he starts to run around. And it's following him wherever he's going. Then he's really getting aggravated and upset and he's looking at like mom and everybody else going, can't you see this? Get this thing off of me. He was being chased by that shadow. Get it off of me. And he's running and he's running and all the other kids were running but they were having fun and he was totally overwhelmed by that shadow. And guess what he did? He stopped. He knelt down and he laid back. And he couldn't see his shadow anymore. And it hit me at that moment. That little kid just got pinned by a shadow. In his wrestling in life, that shadow pinned him. Now you and I would say to that little boy, what? Get up from there. 
You ain't got to worry about that shadow. But for him, it was devastating. And I'll go back to the little kids in each one of us who have some shadows. Some of us who may have been or may be being pinned by that shadow that'll keep us from moving out in Jesus' name. I don't know where you are, but I know the evil one wants to keep you pinned. And I know this for certain, that if he can, he wins. You see the title of the message called The Art of Thanks Living. Thanksgiving is a holiday. Thanks living is a way of life. Paul told us about it. In order for you to rejoice evermore in the Lord and in the power of his might, you have to pray continually. You have to be ever in conversation with him. You have to be in that place in your heart and in your mind where you're honest with him. I don't think God really cares about Elizabethan prayers. Oh, thou is goddess, thank you for all the experiences of life. You just look at him and say, God, I need help. Here's where I am. This thing is getting the best of me. And you want the best of me. Don't you think God wants the best of us? Didn't he give us his best and his son, Jesus Christ, to bring that best in us out? That's what God wants in us. God, I acknowledge you as the Savior of my life. I choose, I choose, I choose today to give thanks to you. Not for this circumstance, but for the knowledge that I know you are with me. And I think somewhere in the scripture, I believe, David, you, you know, I keep pointing at you because you know scripture pretty well. I think he said, lo, I am with you. There is nowhere we can go that he is not with us. Willingly, intentionally, thoughtfully, honestly, by the way, that spells with. When he is with us, he does it that way. And he is honestly with us because he knows that as long as I walk with him, the evil one doesn't stand a chance. He cannot win. And he doesn't deserve to win. We are winners and more than champions and more than conquerors through Jesus Christ who paid the penalty for us on the cross and has set us free. And by faith, all we have to do is proclaim that. That's pretty cool, isn't it? And when I learned to give thanks at that moment and I rejoice in the Lord, and I'm already talking with him, then I'm at a place where I respect the fact that God knows what's best for me. Here's the R in art. He knows what's best. I've acknowledged, now I respect the fact that he is my God and he knows what's best. And then I can get to that T where I learn to trust him. Oh, I learned to trust him whether it feels good or not. I learned to trust him whether I think it's right or not. I learned to trust him 
where I can say to my father, God, you know what's best for me. Now grant me grace and mercy to give you my best in this life you've called me to. And oh, by the way, when you're giving thanks, you are fulfilling the word of God and the will of God. In Jesus' name, amen. Father, I thank you for this time we share. As you bless your word, as you bless our hearts, as you remind us what Paul told us, not to be anxious for anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving to let our requests be made known unto you. And you promise us that your peace, which surpasses all human comprehension, shall keep our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. God, I pray that you grant us wisdom to not allow the evil one to take aim at us and bind us and incarcerate us and manipulate us through life. But you'll cause us wisdom to hear the word where it says whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of a good rapport, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. Grant us wisdom to do just that. So that as we walk through this life, we don't become MIA because of failures or struggles. But as we walk through this life, we pray that others will see in us Christ Jesus, our hope of glory in all we do. I hope you've been blessed by this message. Christ is the answer for every need, now and for all eternity. As someone once said, Jesus plus nothing equals everything, and everything minus Jesus equals nothing. Have you trusted in Jesus as your Savior? If not, why not now? His arms are open wide to receive you. It may help to pray a prayer like this. Father, I know that you are holy and that I have sinned and fallen short of your glory. I know that you are a righteous God who must punish sin, but I believe that your son Jesus took my punishment for me, died in my place, and rose from the dead so that I could have eternal life. Right now, I turn to Jesus and trust in his finished work for me. In his name I pray, amen. You know, the Bible says this in John 1:12: to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. And that means that if you've received Christ, God has adopted you as his beloved child, his very own son or daughter. Just imagine it. Almighty God, the Lord of this universe, the one who possesses all authority in heaven and earth is now your loving father and you are his child. You say, I love him. How can I honor God with the rest of my life? Well, when you love someone, you wanna spend time with him. We get to know God through his word, through prayer, and through his people. I would encourage you to pick up a copy of the Bible and begin to read it. Begin to pour out your heart to him in prayer and find a church family where the Bible is preached, where Christ is exalted, and where his love is flowing. If you're local, I want to invite you to the church I pastor, First Baptist Church of Suffolk, Virginia. 